Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the U3A radio podcast, which apart from being on YouTube, is now available on several podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify and Google. I'm Nick Bailey, and this month we talk to one of the winners of the 40th anniversary quilt competition. And we aim to capture the U3A's motto of learn, laugh, live. So there's a chance to learn at one of the U3A's summer schools. To my mind, it's um, a holiday, really, for like-minded people who want to get together with with other people and socialise and do some sort of activity, be it sort of classroom-based or out and about. We discover laughter yoga. (laughs) (laughs) And we live by joining a group foraging for seaweed. This Crawford's Rock Bay was a place I'd never come across before and it's very secluded, beautiful uh, sand and lots of seaweed. Although seaweed may not be your cup of tea, it's the three ingredients of learning, laughing and living that prompted Specsavers to enter into partnership with the U3A for a new initiative called Generation Wow. Ella Watts spoke to Laura Cooney from Specsavers and asked her what they were aiming to achieve. Specsavers carry out a home visit service and through that we get to meet the most incredible people um, that have a lifetime of experience and stories and you know our optometrists and our optical assistants that visit these people are always sending us through I met this gentleman and he used to uh, he was a D-Day veteran or I met this lady and she was a prima ballerina or this gentleman who played the piano and we just incredible stories that we hear from our home visit customers and yeah, so while we're, while we're testing their eyes, I guess we get to hear about all the amazing things that they love and their passions. And I think that got us to thinking, you know, it's not just this, you know, generation of people that are actually, you know, unfortunately, they're, they're kind of housebound now. It's actually there's a there's a whole generation of people, you know, old, an older generation that have got amazing skills that they should be sharing. And obviously, that's where I guess you three comes in because that's what you guys are doing you know your your older adults are skill sharing every single day and so that's that's where the partnership really started is we've we've kind of got these commonalities and um, and then out of that was born what we're calling generation wow and it's it's yeah it's absolutely about celebrating older adults the older generation by giving them a platform to show off their amazing skills and talent and actually joining that up with the younger generation Particularly through COVID and through lockdown, there's become a re- there's become a, lots of passion around learning new skills amongst the younger generation as well. And who better to learn that from than from older, you know, from older adults within our community? So that is Generation Wow. It's celebrating these amazing people. So what we're going to do is create some a, a series of tutor- tutorials using different U3A members. Obviously, U3A have got a great network of peer-to-peer learning already, and we're going to tap into this and give even more people the opportunity to learn something new. So that might be laughter yoga or flower arranging or mindfulness. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these um, tutorials through our social channels and through PR, and then house them on a a landing page on our Specsavers website so people can access them at any time and give them a try. Well, Laura, I'm quite impressed. (laughs) And I can't wait to be part of Generation Wow. So I do hope I'm included. It's a lovely name. How can U3A members get involved in this project? You know, we're going to be looking throughout this 
throughout this journey, throughout this partnership, we're going to be looking for lots of different skills and talents that we can we can create tutorials for and that we can share with that we can share with the public. So I think if if you have a skill or something specific that you think would be really interesting and exciting and you feel confident in front of camera, you know, we have an amazing team that are going out and shooting these shooting these tutorials but if you've got you've got something that you'd like to share then you can just get in touch with your um, local U3A and then they can pass that back to Specsavers and we can be in touch but the ones we've created so far they look absolutely amazing and like I said we've got a great team that pull these things together and edit it all so that it's ready to go but you know what we want to see throughout the course of the campaign is a real breadth of different skills that people can people can choose from whether that be as I said before you know knitting or flower arranging or whatever whatever it is you know things that are really going to get um you know the British public excited I guess and are the ones you've already prepared are they available now um so the the, the campaign's going to be going live hopefully in the next few weeks um and they will be yeah they will be live from then they'll sit on the they'll sit on the site and they'll be they'll be free for everyone to access and, and I guess what what would be great because that like there'll be a big promotion of all this activity, you know, promoting the partnership and um, directing, trying to direct as many people as possible through to the hub to look at to look at these videos. And um, you know, U3A members can be sharing these that, these things on their own social channels and you know, drumming up some interest amongst their peers, just so that we're talking about you know U3A as much as we possibly can and really trying to raise awareness of the amazing of the amazing things that you guys do every day. What can you tell me about the launch? Can you tell me anything? Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll give you a sneak, I guess, a sneak peek into the launch. So, um, yeah, we've put a massive amount of time and effort and energy into really celebrating this, like, Generation Row, with a, you know, launching it with a big bang. So what, what we're going to do in tandem with the launch is release the details of a survey that we've commissioned um, over the course of the last few months. That really that's that's gone out to lots of older adults across the UK and and talks about the pleasures and perils of aging and talks about talents and skills. It's 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 great and there's some really good insights in there. So that will be launched and then we're going to carry out a big press event with a celebrity ambassador. And um, so we're really really happy about that. There'll be a big press event and a, like I said, a huge amount of PR and social activity to really launch the activity and with the aim of you know, celebrating Generation Wow and trying to drive as many people as we can through to the um, through to the website to, to learn up, to learn some more about the partnership, to learn a bit more about what we're trying to achieve, and hopefully get stuck into some of the tutorials that we've got on there. So, yeah, very exciting. Um, it's going to be the launch is going to be great. We're really, really looking forward to it. Laura Cooney from Specsavers, and for more details, just go to our website at u3a.org.uk. Now that life is returning to near normal, some of the regular events in the U3A calendar are back, including the regional summer schools organised by U3As and networks. One of these will be held in June at the University of Chichester in West Sussex. Although organised by the South East region, it's open to all comers. These began in 2005, and leading the team once more is Helen Turner from Kings Hill in Kent, who explained to Joanne Watson more about their activities. To my mind, it's um, a holiday, really, for like-minded people who want to get together with with other people and socialise and do some sort of activity, be it sort of classroom-based or out and about. You know, the, the tutors are all U3A members who do it for free. We don't pay them anything. We have got 11 courses 
We've got yoga, mahjong, ukulele, where people learn to play the ukulele and end up being able to play quite a decent set of tunes by the end of a few days. We've got French conversation, so not so much grammar, but you know, having a bit of fun with French, walking, music. Poetry, we've got Earth Matters, which is sort of global warming and that type of stuff. That's a new one this year. Family history, where people are going to look back at, you know, the genealogy and things. Maths, where they they have fun doing daft things with maths, really. You know, I mean, it sounds boring, but um, it's not at all. It's things like what angle you need to kick a, a rugby ball to do a conversion or how do you get a settee round the corner of the stairs? that type of thing. So it's rather fun. And then last but by no means least is the cycling one. Now you do this at the University of Chichester. So this is a student experience and it must be a few yes. years since since the members have actually gone through that. Is that a part of the fun as well, do you think? Well, I personally think so. I mean, this is the 16th year we've done it on that campus. Yes, we sleep in student bedrooms, but I, I find that quite inspiring somehow. I, I always come out of it thinking, oh, I want to study something. OK, they are a bit basic. The beds aren't the most comfortable things in the world. And they are single rooms. So if couples go, they have to be next door to each other. But maybe nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That's quite fun. You know? <laughs> but yes, I mean, it, it's a sort of student experience and we eat in the refectory. But the food's very good and the food's been getting better and better every year. So you can mix with everybody and everybody has breakfast, lunch and dinner together. And also in the evenings, we do social events. So the first night we always have a quiz sort of thing. And then the second night we go to the theatre, which is next door, the Chichester Festival Theatre, which is a real bonus. People have to pay extra for that. And uh, if they don't want to go to that, we run a film on campus. And then the third night we have something like a, talk or a musical evening or something. What sort of people do you attract? Obviously, they're all U3A members, but is there a, a sort of U3A member who comes to a summer school? Well, obviously, they tend to be the more outgoing ones who are prepared to come. You know, quite a lot of them come on their own, but quite a few of them come with mates, you know, either from their own U3A or friends from other U3As, or they may drag their husband along screaming. There's probably, well, definitely more women than men, but there are men. And obviously some of the courses attract men more than, than others. So cycling obviously is quite popular with the men. And we try to have courses that will attract men as well as women. They come from all over the country. I mean, we've had people come from Scotland. They don't just have to be from the southeast. We advertise it nationally so that anyone can come as long as they're a U3A member. You mentioned the classes that you run. I noticed a few years ago you, you ran a class in falconry, which was rather mm. off, off piste. How on earth did that uh, come about? Well, it was funny that you should say that. It's the lady who's doing ukulele for us this year, and she has falcons. So when she was doing the ukulele course, she said, I could do falconry for you next year. Ha, ha, ha. So we thought, hmm, well, not a bad idea. So that's what she did. I mean, we had to get special dispensation from the campus to have this bird on site because she actually flew it and she had it on her arm, sort of walking around the campus quite a lot, which fascinated people. So, yes, it, it was quite a successful course, really. And she talked about different falcons and 
what you do to keep them and that sort of thing. It, it, I think it was quite a popular course. But she's sticking to ukulele this year, is she? But she's doing ukulele again this time, leaving her falcons at home. And is there anything else special planned for this year, Helen? Well, we're hoping to plant a tree, actually, on the Wednesday night um, for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And it's also U3A's 40th anniversary and our 16th year on campus. So we're planning to do it for that, really. So we're hoping we might get some PR around that. And isn't it your birthday that day as well, or around that day? (laughs) It is, funnily enough, yes, June 22nd. (laughs) Each year it tends to coincide with my birthday. So there we go. We're planting a tree for my birthday. (laughs) Helen Turner. And I'm told that course places are filling up fast. So if you want to find out more, you need to go to the Southeast U3A Forum website. They say that laughter is the best medicine, but we can't always find a reason to laugh. Laughter yoga, however is laughter that requires no reason. Sarah Goodall caught up with U3A Edinburgh's Judith Walker during one of her yoga laughter sessions. (laughs) 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 Laughter yoga was developed in 1995 in India by a medical doctor, a GP, called Dr. Madan Kitaria. And he was researching laughter as a, as a health benefit, as a medicine. And he was so impressed with the research that he wished he could give doses of laughter to his patients. And so that, that's basically how he started. Um, first of all, they told jokes, but of course the jokes ran out. And then he found this piece of research which indicated that you didn't have to be laughing at anything. You didn't have to feel happy. You don't have to have a, sen- have, to have a sense of humour. You just start laughing as an exercise. And because um, laughter is infectious, the, real, the, the pretend laughter quickly becomes real laughter. And that's what we do in Laughter Club. We just laugh for no reason, just because it feels good and just because it, it has so many health benefits. What could I expect from a class, Judith? Well, if you come to a laughter yoga class, you just wear whatever you feel comfortable in. You can do it sitting down or standing up. And there are, there are several parts. We do laughter exercises. I propose a laughter exercise and then everybody does it together. And then when it's over, I clap. And that indicates that it's over and we're moving on to the next one. But before that, we do some breathing, some yoga type breathing the pranayama the breath of life basically that's all the yoga you get there's no funny poses or any of that sort of thing (laughs) it's just laughing and breathing and that's laughter yoga what are the benefits of a laughter yoga session well lots of benefits lots and lots of benefits first of all you feel happy because laughter releases endorphins the happy hormones the feel-good chemicals that lift your spirits Oh, it also has to be deep, hearty laughter coming from the body using the diaphragm, like, <laughs> and, and again, that sort of thing is not acceptable in our normal social circle, circles. And of course, the other thing is that laughter yoga is intentional laughter. We don't just wait for something funny to come along. We make a point of laughing. And also, it's, it's important to come to our, our laughter yoga session because um, the leader is going to be trained to lead this kind of practice. Um, it's, it, it's not just having a laugh. It's, it's really, it is in fact a yogic practice 
which has spiritual and, and emotional benefits. And so it is important to come to a, a class rather than doing it on your own. Thank you, Judith. I've got a couple of your students here. Um, I'll turn to you first, Jane. Tell us about your laughter yoga experience. Hi, I'm Jane Aronson, and I'm one of the new recruits to Judith's uh, class, started in autumn last year. And I had in the past done in-person seated yoga. I feel at the end of the session that I could almost do anything. Now that sounds rather strange because I'm actually in a wheelchair um, and I can't do everything, but it is so inclusive. Um, and yes, of course there are the benefits of the laughter yoga, but there's also the benefit of being within a community um, and on Zoom. And that's very important with all the um, problems we're having with, with COVID. So it, it is lovely to be able to, for 40 minutes, to, to laugh and to, 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 to be a bit silly, um, especially if you, the rest of your day is rather serious. And, you know, the endorphins are working and you just feel wonderful. And, I, I, and it's also good because we know that Judith is trained. She's very, very hot on safeguarding and um, that's, you know, is helpful. I'm also very undisciplined and I wouldn't do this on my own. So no. to, the ability to be able to do it within a community and to see others doing it as well uh, is wonderful. And it's doing it in real time as well, with, you know, with, with real people rather than I don't even know if I could download it as a, as a, a YouTube video, but um, that wouldn't mean the same to me as doing That's it the true. way we're doing it. Thank you, Jane. Over to you now, Eva. What have you got out of laughter yoga? Well, I started laughter yoga uh, about a year ago, and I hated it at first. <laughs> and I said I would give it three goes. And, uh, but by the second go, it was, uh, I was seeing the point of it. And by the third go, yep, I could see it. What did I get out of it? Um, it's gentle exercise, which... If you're sitting in a car on a long journey and you know nobody is listening to you, um, the, uh, the effect can be uh, quite aerobic, actually. It is a stronger exercise than you think. It also lifts the spirits. So again, I remember I was sitting in a car being cut up by somebody else in rather a posh car and I just laughed it off uh, using the uh, exercises that I was given. It was wonderful. It was very useful. Also, laughter yoga helps my breathing because I've never done yoga before. And it's very simple, but it's good. And it helps my shoulders. So laughter yoga is definitely made for Zoom. It's the kind of yoga that you might be a bit self-conscious, laughing, whether it's at a bus stop or wherever, but in the privacy of your own home, it's great, but you connect with other people. 
I've got a win-win situation all the time. Thank you very much, ladies. And thank you, Judith. I'm certainly going to be giving it a go. <laughs> that report by Sarah Goodall. Judith Walker's Zoom classes for Laughter Yoga are held once a month, and you can find more details on the U3A Trust website. Have you ever thought of having seaweed as part of your diet? Well, the Go Local group at Down U3A in Northern Ireland tried some recently when they went on a seaweed foraging trip. The organiser was Sheila McGee, who was born in Scotland, but has spent her working life in Northern Ireland. And Sheila joins me now. Well, Sheila, you obviously lived to tell the tale. <laughs> but, uh, where, whereabouts was, was the actual foraging? The foraging is in a place called Crawford's Rock near Kilkeel in County Down. Kilkeel is one of the main fishing uh, villages in Northern Ireland. And this Crawford's Rock Bay was a place I'd never come across before. And it's very secluded, beautiful uh, sand, um, lots of seaweed. And did you have someone to take you around? Yes, there's a company which has started up, and Michelle, who was our guide, she took us, she started off, she told us all the, the information, gave us a bag to collect seaweed as we walked around, uh, and went and pointed out the different types of seaweed, what they were used for, which you would cook with, which you'd take a bath with, which, oh, all sorts of different things, even just for putting in your garden and fertilizer. And then we all, retreated back to a nice gazebo which was set up in the sand and we had a slap up lovely lunch with all fresh fish caught or at least brought into the Kilkeel that morning and we had a whale of a time. It wasn't the sunniest of days but hopefully we'll go back in another day. Had you eaten seaweed before? Not to my knowledge. Uh, I'm not too sure that I'd be too keen on eating it again but I'll I think I'll give uh, seaweed spaghetti another try. It was interesting, and it uh, was a was a challenge. And I think I'd like to find out more about it now. The only seaweed I've ever eaten is lava bread in Wales. Yeah. Uh, and did you try some of that? Yes. Yeah, so we call it shirk here in Northern Ireland. I think there's different names for it in different places, but it seems to be the same same stuff. And. Um, it was an acquired taste, a bit like that. <laughs> and what about the spaghetti, the seaweed spaghetti? Was that something you ate there and then, or did you take it back and cook it yourself? No, we took it back and ate it ourselves. We, it was mostly the kind of shulk that we had, and bread and butter made with kind of shulk incorporated into it. And there was some special seaweed tea, which was rather, it was nice. I would go for it again. What did the seaweed tea taste like? Well, it wasn't salty, which I would have expected. It was, uh, I suppose, a bit like uh, strong tea, I think, rather than anything else. It's hard to describe a taste. And the seaweed spaghetti. So you took that home. Yeah. And what did you cook that with? Well, I just put it in water. I think I made a mistake and I left it to the next day. And it should have been cooked right away when it's really fresh. It, uh, it had the cons same consistency as ordinary spaghetti, but I didn't have the sauce, fresh sauce to put in it to do it justice. So next time I go back, I'm going to bring it back, cook it right away, put some pasta sauce in with it and really do it justice. So did you just eat the seaweed spaghetti by itself? 
Yeah, well, with a bit of salt and pepper and tomato ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> what what do they taste like? It didn't have a lot of taste on its own. It's just the consistency was there. I think they use uh, seaweed products, don't they, for, for skin care. Uh, did you try any of those? Well, I had a bath with the, the rack in it, which is supposed to be good for you. I think there's a lot of iodine in it, which is health-giving. Um, I think for skin care, you would need to do a bit of work with it. You just don't stick it on your face, I think. So <laughs> I didn't try that one. There are lots of products out there. Now. I mean, seaweed is probably one of these things which, uh, if you're going green, it might be something that you, you want to explore more about. But did you feel better after the bath? I think I did. I convinced myself that I did anyway, because it was, it was, it was different. I thought I was doing myself good. <laughs> so what were the views of the other people you took with you? Well, they all enjoyed themselves no end. We, had a, we got a small bus, a 20-seater bus, to take us there. And then Michelle, our guide, she led us down onto the beach, which we'd never found otherwise. There's a, there's a waiting list to go back this year, and hopefully we'll get a really sunny day. But, I mean, it was right down on the shore with the waves beating against you. When you're in this gazebo eating your fish, that's the way it should be. I mean, you hear the sea in the background. Sheila, thank you very much for talking to me. I wish you the best of luck with further seaweed baths. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and maybe doing your seaweed spaghetti rather better next time. <laughs> and, and the best of luck with all your other trips that you may do this summer. Sheila McGee from Downs UCA, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. If your group has done anything unusual, we'd love to hear about it. Just send us an email to communications at u3a.org.uk. To kick off this year's U3A 40th birthday celebrations, a U3A-wide anniversary quilt competition was launched. This was on the theme of positive ageing through the strapline Learn, Laugh, Live. Four judges, made up of four U3A members, and Stuart Hillard from the Great British Sewing Bee, had the difficult task of picking 40 squares. Whitney U3A in Oxfordshire had the honour of having three squares chosen. So Peter Clift spoke to the leader of Whitney's sewing groups, Jane Clark, and asked how they came up with their design ideas. Well, having looked at, looked at the um, theme that was chosen for it, positive ageing, which is really a bit mind-boggling, I have to say, put us all off a little bit. But we watched the video and it, they suggested that we did things using some of the group activities, which was very helpful. And also the strap line, learn, live, laugh. That was very interesting as well. So then we started thinking and came up with various ideas. We were quite lucky in that having done a, another quilt a few years ago to celebrate Whitney's 30th anniversary that had featured all the groups, we did have some Im images of group activities already, which uh, was quite helpful. We didn't copy any of them, I might say, but we did sort of adapt some of them to make new images. Personally, I, I can get an image in my head, but I can't draw it down on paper. So when I'm looking for images, I find it extremely useful to look at images online and then you can print off ones that might fit what you do and then you can adapt them to what you want. The other thing that is very useful too is children's drawing books. You get very simple images which you are easy to convert into applique patterns and because they're sim simple shapes. The one of mine that was chosen has a pile of books in it and that's how I found the image of a pile of books was a children's drawing to be coloured. You start off with the idea, you work out what you're what you're going to do, 
Yes. I mean, how do you actually go about making a, I think it's called a, not a square, is it? It's called a block, I think, officially. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be square. Ah. They could be diamond shape or triangular or various shapes, but these are square ones. How do you go about actually making a, a block for a quilt? Well, first of all, you have to decide what you're going to do. And most of these ones in this sort of thing are a technique called applique, where you cut out a shape um, in fabric and attach it to a background piece of fabric. And you add different shape pieces in different colours to make a picture. What I do usually is print out a picture that I can work on, maybe trace it off and work it out, and then possibly do a sample version of it that helps you get the whole idea and then you can make your finished article and you can change it as you go along. So you, you use applique. I mean, are there other methods that you could use if you wanted to? Oh, oh yes, yes. There's, there's various things. Um, you can paint on fabric. You can embroider on it. You can patch pieces together, squares, triangles or whatever, to make a picture. Applique is probably the most versatile and the one most used for this sort of thing. Between us, we tried a few different new techniques. Um, I wanted to get some titles on the books in my one, and I'd um, come across T-shirt printing, and that way you can make a transfer that then you can iron onto the picture when you're finished, and you can have a nice typed book title on it that way. Another one was done, um, somebody tried out fabric paints for the first time. It meant she could have it exactly as she wanted it, rather than have to look for materials of the colour she wanted or um, in the style she wanted. And the third one, the tree of knowledge that we've got, a lot of leaves on a tree, each one a topic that is covered by a group somewhere. They were all machine embroidered onto various shades of green fabric and then cut out into the shape of leaves afterwards and hand-stitched to um, a tree trunk and branches. So that, and that, again, was a new technique to us. Okay, well, you're, you're making it all sound very, very easy to do. I, I, I guess you've got quite a lot of skills in, in needlework. Yes, I think I've been doing... Well, I can't remember a time when I didn't do sewing in one form or another, so that's an awful long time now. Um, I come from a family of good sewers. Um, my grandmother and my mother and my sister... And my cousins are all brilliant sewers. It's uh, in the blood, I think. If somebody has is a bit of a dab hand at, at sewing, would you would you recommend having a go at uh, making a quilt or making oh, yeah. part of a quilt? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it's very much the in thing at the moment. I'm told there was an article in the Sunday Times this week saying uh, patchwork and quilting is the hobby for 2022. Funnily enough, I've got a few new members in the needlework groups that I run. And they want to learn quilting and patchwork. So we have been trying that recently. So you, you would recommend it to, to people to have a, certainly to have a go at it? Oh, yes. And it can be quite addictive. So once you get going, um, you don't know where to stop. Everybody ends up with quilts. Jane Clark from Whitney U3A. And if you want to see the winning squares or blocks, go to u3a.org.uk forward slash quilt. And before we all snuggle under the quilt and put the podcast to bed for another month, let me thank our team of interviewers, Peter Clift, Joanne Watson, Sarah Goodall, and Ella Watts, and to Ella for also producing the podcast. Until next time, this is Nick Bailey saying goodbye.